something that bears repeating. We need to remember. May we never forget that freedom is not free. It comes with a price. That currency is the blood of brave men and women who were willing to lay down their lives not to protect their liberty, but to protect ours. When they died, when they were fighting, it was to, it was to secure your liberty. So may we never forget them. You know, Armed Forces Day is to remember those still in uniform. And we salute those, those men and women. Veterans Day is to remember and honor those who hung up their uniform. Ah, but Memorial Day. It's made, we remember, those who never made it out of their uniform. So may we never forget. It is with utmost respect and appreciation for all of those who are willing to give that supreme sacrifice that I can enjoy the Memorial Day that I have planned tomorrow, that you have planned tomorrow. More importantly, so that we can come together and we can worship according to the dictates of our heart here today. I praise God for just such men and women. That's why we pay tribute to them today. It's with the utmost respect and admiration. I stand in awe and I stand in amazement. When I reflect on those men who stormed the beaches on D-Day there in France, those men who readied themselves as they were about to disembark from that landing, those landing crafts, such courage, such a sense of duty, knowing that it was more than likely their last day, their last hour, their last minute, their last breath. But still, they were willing to unload, storm those beaches, and die in order to preserve our liberty. Praise God for them. We must never forget these brave men, these brave women who gave their lives. They were fearful, I'm sure. Who wouldn't have been? But they were also purposeful. Their purpose was to defeat an enemy that would dare infringe on our freedoms. Memorial Day is to be a special time. Our memory verse this morning, John 15, 13, talked about greater love hath no man than this, 
that he be willing to lay down his life for his friends. These liberties that we enjoy, these freedoms that we cherish, requires three things. It requires men and women who are willing to lay down their lives to protect that freedom. It also requires vigilance on the part of the living, on us. See, I'm convinced that the threat to our freedoms, to our liberties, to our way of life, to our constitution, to this great republic, I am convinced that those threats to our freedom are just as alive today and are just as real today as they've ever been. Requires vigilance. The third thing it requires is awareness. Us knowing what's going on. Not being ashamed, not being embarrassed to be called a conspiracy theorist. Because when, when the enemies of this nation inside this nation come right out and tell you what they stand for and what they're for, and it's diametrically opposed to what our Constitution stands for, uh, it's not a conspiracy anymore. It's a war. So may there ever be men and women willing to lay down their lives. May we ever be vigilant. May we ever be aware of all that's going on. Because make no mistake, there are powerful forces alive today that are working to strip this nation of the liberties that our Constitution guarantees us. And frankly, it's not bullets that I fear. As much as I fear politicians and bureaucrats and media who have a hideous agenda. It's a different style of war. But it's still a war nonetheless. And I pray that each and every one of us are willing to take a stand and be counted because this nation depends on it. I'm, I'm convinced of it. I think political correctness can do as much damage to the fabric of our society as bombs and missiles. Political correctness and leftist socialist agenda, I think, can perhaps do more damage than bombs and bullets. And I'll tell you the reason why I believe that. Bullets causes patriots to rally and to fight and to take a stand. But lies and distortion and untruths causes divisiveness, confusion. And they're pretty good at that, the lies and the distortion. So this morning I encourage you to be aware that it's not so much a foreign government who threatens this great nation, but I'm convinced as globalist, 
this one world elitist who hunger for power, who hunger and thirst for control over your lives. They desire to reshape this constitutional republic and make it part of a one world federation, a new world order. Frankly, the Bible speaks of that in the last days. And we pray, God, your will be done. But in the meantime, we stand, we pray, we watch, we warn, we wait, we faithfully serve. To safeguard these freedoms that we have requires our vigilance. For far too many brave men and women have given their lives. And we owe them that. We owe them to stand firm. For us to work and realize that it's now our responsibility. When they were called upon, they stood. I think we are being called upon today to stand. To defend those freedoms and those liberties that we cherish and enjoy here in this great country. I'm going to read a poem to you. Tim, if you can put that up there. Well, no, I'm not going to read a poem to you because I didn't bring it here with me. But you can't see it. Maybe I'll put it in the bulletin next week. This poem was written by a soldier in Vietnam, Lieutenant Joe Kinney. Lieutenant Joe Kinney, I'll show him a picture, if we have that picture. He was my cousin. And the poem is a phenomenal poem that he wrote in the jungles of Vietnam just a little while before he was killed. And the poem talked about how, how eager he was to get back home, and once he got back home to the great state of Alabama, he was never going to leave again. And it talked about the dangers, but it talked about his hopes, it talked about his fears, it talked about depending on God, but he never made it. But it's because of sacrifices like those that Joe Kinney, Lieutenant Joe Kinney, was willing to make. I believe that we can gather here today to worship. And I'm thankful. There it is. I knew Tim could do it. Somewhere in a known land stands a lonely but not forgotten man. He's there to keep his people free, to live in peace like you and me. He fights by day and prays by night, for tomorrow again he must fight. He's counting his tour day by day, because home he'll go and home he'll stay. He trudges along wanting to rest, knowing he can't, he does his best. While deep inside he sings a song to ease the pain of a day so long. 
The sight of war is an ugly one. But for him, it's a job that must be done. He dreams of the day when he'll go home to the ones he loves and calls his own. Why can't the world just live in peace when this asking the very least? I would have liked to have asked Joe what he meant by that last line. But he never made it home. Praise God for men like Joe Kenny who were willing to go when he was called upon to go. But as great as his sacrifice was and as much as I appreciate my cousin and what he was willing to do, the greatest sacrifice, the most supreme sacrifice that was ever bestowed upon man, fallen man, I might add, was when Jesus Christ went to Calvary's cross and he died so that you and I might have eternal life. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. You know, once, once a year on Memorial Day, we remember those brave men and women who gave their all. But I like to think that here at St. Louis Bible Fellowship, every day we remember what Christ did for us. Remember his sacrifice. May that be a daily remembrance. As a matter of fact, I think next year on Memorial Day, I think we need to have the Lord's Supper. Because it was his, I think it would just be so appropriate, and I didn't think of it in time. But I think we need to start making it a tradition that on Memorial Day we observe the Lord's Supper as we come together to show the Lord's death until he comes. But it's because of his death on Calvary's cross and the payment that he paid in full that we have liberty in him. That we have that freedom. Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 says, Stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage yoke of bondage was the law stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free look at Colossians chapter 2 Colossians chapter 2 verse 13 and 14 and you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. You talk about freedom. You talk about liberty. Look at verse 14. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances, blotting out that law that was against you which was contrary to us, and he took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. You talk about a great and marvelous gift. You talk about something to rejoice over, a freedom, a liberty. It's what his death accomplishes for us. 
that we might have that freedom. Look at John chapter 8. John chapter 8. Starting with verse 32. John 8, 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Drop down to verse 36. And if the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. I've got to tell you, I love the freedoms, the liberty that I enjoy here in this country. I appreciate them. I praise God for our founding fathers and for those who have defended liberty since 1776, actually before that. Praise God for them. But the one that I really am thankful for is the liberty that I have in Christ that was purchased on my behalf by Him on Calvary's cross. If the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. God's Word encourages us to stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. That's something to shout about, to rejoice over. And and as I was studying and as I was working on this sermon this week, and I... At some point, I came across that, that picture of, of those men that were uh, about to disembark in that amphibious uh, landing craft, and, and they were going to storm the beaches of Omaha and, and, and Normandy and all, all there in France. As we saw those pictures, and those faces almost can haunt you as, as you're looking at them, knowing that, and my understanding from that picture is that uh, about... Only about 10% of those on that craft actually survived. Don't know if that's true. That's just what I heard. But so many of them never made it off the beach. And when I see that, I, I think, what bravery, what courage, what, what purposefulness. I mean, they such dedication. Would I have that courage? Would I have that, that ability to go charging into gunfire. And as I looked at that, I thought about John 17. Look at John 17. Because folks, we, we have an even greater example of courage and determination and willingness. Because that's exactly what the Lord Jesus Christ did. In John 17, as he prayed for himself, when he prayed for his disciples, when he prayed for all believers here in John chapter 17, knowing what was in store. When those men got off of that uh, unloaded, they, they knew what was in store. And they knew the clock was ticking. They knew that, and they saw their friends all around them falling dead. They had a job to do. They were willing to do it. I'm telling you, they were the greatest generation. But I think that pales in comparison 
to what our Lord Jesus Christ was willing to do for us. Look at John 17, 1. These words spoke Jesus, and he lifted up his eyes to heaven, and he said, Father, knowing the cross was ahead of him, knowing what was about to take place, knowing that Golgotha was in his immediate future, and not just Golgotha, but he understood the beating, he understood that the crown of thorns was coming. He understood that the mocking and the spitting, he understood all of the treatment was, in, was near at hand. And he prays, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to his many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gave me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thy me with thy own self and with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. The Lord Jesus knew exactly who he was. He was the God of all creation. He was the true and living God. I think it's interesting. <clears throat> Look at John chapter 18. John chapter 18. John chapter 17. <clears throat> Excuse me. John chapter 18. When Jesus has spoken these words, he went forth with his disciples over the book Cedron. And there was a garden into the which he entered and his disciples. And Judas also, which betrayed him, knew the place, for Jesus oft times resorted there with his disciples. And Judas, then having received a band of men and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, came there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him. See, there it tells us he knew what was coming. You talk about courage. You talk about bravery. You talk about purpose. The Lord Jesus knew that he was about to die for your sins and my sins. He was about to pay that supreme sacrifice. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said unto them, Whom do you seek? Who are you looking for? Verse 5, I love this. And they answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said unto them, I am. The he it's not in the original. When he claims to be I am, who is he telling them he is? God. When Moses said, when Moses asked God in the burning bush, whom should I tell Israel is sending me? What was the name that God used of himself? I am what did they what was the response what did they hear and judas also which betrayed him stood with them look at verse 6 and as soon then as he had said unto them i am 
They went backwards, and they fell to the ground. You talk about power. You talk about might. What else could have caused that to happen and take place? It was the power. It was the authority. It was him telling them, I am. Hey, he had already made the, the blind to see, the lame to walk, the, the dumb to speak, the blind to see. He had already performed all those miracles. He had already walked on the water. He had already calmed the sea. He had already fed the 4,000 and the 5,000. He had already done everything that God's word in the Old Testament had said that the Messiah was going to do. He was... He had made sure they understood that he was the great God of heaven. He was the anointed of God the Father. He was come. He had come to seek and to save that which was lost. Boy, and this nails it. This confirms it to them, or it should have. He, he, they ask him, or he asked them, who do you seek? Because he really knew who they sought after. They didn't know it. They didn't realize it. But the real yearning of their heart was the true God of heaven. But because of the evilness and the wickedness, they didn't recognize that. Well, he knew they needed it. And so he confirms, who, who are you seeking? Jesus of Nazareth. And he's telling them that Jesus of Nazareth that you're seeking is the great I am. And they fell backwards. Verse 7, Then asked he them again, Whom seek ye? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus answered, I've told you that I am. Therefore you seek me, let these go their way, that the saying might be fulfilled which he spoke, of them which thou gavest me have I lost none. See, that's back over in the other chapter, 17, 12, when, when Christ was praying to God the Father, when God the Son was praying to God the Father. Then look what Peter does. Oh, brave, brave Peter. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it, and he smote the high priest's servants, servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. And then said Jesus unto Peter, Put up thy sword into the sheaf. The cup which my father hath given me, shall I not drink it? See, the Lord knew what was in store. He knew what he had to sacrifice. He knew what he had to do. As a matter of fact, do you know what he tells us in another, uh, one of the other Gospels? tells us that he could have called 12 legion of angels. Look at Matthew 26. Matthew 26. He didn't have to put up with this. He could have called 10, well, more than 10,000. He says 12 legion of angels. Look at Matthew 26. Verse 53. Verse, 20, uh, verse 47 starts talking about Judas. It's the same, same explanation, same account. 
Look at verse 53. Peter has just chopped off Malchus's ear. Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my father, and he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels? You know, you know, you know how many angels that would be? Seventy-two thousand. Seventy-two thousand angels. He, he, there are six thousand angels to a legion. He could have called down 72,000. Maybe you've heard that song. He could have called 10,000 angels. Well, that song misses it by a mile. He could have called down 72,000 angels to rescue him. But he had a purpose. That purpose was to shed his blood, to give his life. We owed a debt we could not pay. He paid a debt he did not owe. How true that is. He could have called it, those angels down. He could have said, Father, I, I, I can't do this. And that would have shown them, wouldn't it? That would have sent them scurrying. That would have put a fear in them. That might have even caused every one of those to say, Lord, we, we believe you're the Messiah. We believe you're the Messiah. Boy, you straightened us out. Thank you for rescuing yourself. But where would that have left us? Lost. Lost. But you know what else he did? And I can't, I can't remember where the, the scripture is. I think it's in Luke. Peter cuts the high priest's servants, Eroth. Malchus is his name. But in one of the accounts, and I, and I think it's in Luke, the Lord Jesus puts it back on. Puts it back on. I've got to tell you, had I been the one there with them, and a guy took out a sword, and he chopped, and he swung it, and he hit... Malchus needs to be thankful that it was not between the eyes. But to be thankful he was pretty quick so he could move and it just it hacked off an ear. And the creator of the universe, the one who made our ears. Of course, even if he put him between the eyes, Christ could have healed him, could have raised him up. But I think he reached down and he picked that ear up. And he walked over to that one that was there to arrest him. And he fixed it. Put that ear back on. That should have caused no small stir. If I'd have been Malchus, I'd have said, you guys, you go ahead and do what you think you need to do. But this guy, he's different. This guy is God. Of course, it wouldn't have changed things because he was still there to pay the debt that we owed. Look at Romans chapter 8 in closing this morning. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. 
There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Verse 2. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. We enjoy freedom in this country, amen? But nothing like the freedom that we enjoy, nothing like the liberty that we enjoy in Christ. I don't fear tomorrow because I know who controls it. I don't fear eternity because I know what God has promised me. I do not fear death because I know what awaits on the other side. See, that's that freedom. That's that joy that we have knowing Christ. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. The wages of sin is death. That's a law. That, that's a certainty. But that law that you and I both enjoy the moment we trust Christ and we become new creations in Christ, a new law goes into effect. That spirit of life. God has quickened that spirit. He has made us alive. We go from being dead in, in sin to alive in Christ. We go from being in Adam, we all die, to being in Christ, we're all made alive. And we can place our heads on our pillows tonight we can, and sleep soundly knowing those who have put their faith and trust in Christ. That regardless of what happens, we have the joy of being saved, of being redeemed by the precious blood of Christ, knowing that heaven awaits. Well, that's a liberty. That's a freedom that I know that I did not enjoy before I trusted Christ. We're going to go downstairs in just a few moments and enjoy, and enjoy some great fellowship enjoy some great uh, uh, food not worrying about what happens this afternoon or tonight or tomorrow because of that liberty that freedom that perfect salvation that we have in Christ and I pray and hope this morning that each and every one of you know Christ as your Savior when I speak of liberty, when I speak of freedom in Christ, you know what I speak of. You know that you've been redeemed. That Christ is your Savior. But just in case He's not, or you don't, let me encourage you to do what God's Word says you need to do in order to be saved, and that's believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Believe that he died for your sins, was buried, and rose again. That's, for us, it's that simple. God's done the work before on the cross, and he does the work after you believe. To redeem you, to sanctify you, to rec reconcile you. 
All of that work is done by the Holy Spirit the moment a person believes. So that it's God that gets the glory. It's not you. God, you know what I did? As I work for my freedom, as I work for that liberty that I have in Christ, it's, Lord, I'm thankful for what you did when you paid the debt that I owed. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning, and as we pray, I thank you for that liberty we have in Christ. I thank you for that life eternal that's ours. I thank you that we can stand fast in the liberty that we have in Christ. Father, how I praise your name that we do not have to worry about the future. Lord, even knowing that possibly we're, these are the last days and times are about to get troublesome and perilous. Father, we know that you're in charge. May we be the soldiers of the cross that you've called us to be. Father, may we in bravery, courage, stand for your word and stand for you. And I pray if there's anyone here this morning that has never trusted you as Savior, that Father, in the quietness of this moment, by faith they will believe that you died for them, that you were buried for them, that you rose again for them. We thank you for that perfect salvation. We thank you for that perfect sacrifice that supreme sacrifice when you died for us, demonstrating no greater love. Now, Father, we also pray for our nation, for those who are missing family members today because of their supreme sacrifice. Father, we thank you for their willingness. Now, Father, may we be willing to take a stand regardless of the cost. We pray all these things in Christ's holy and most precious name. Amen.